This is uh, one of those Sundays. Every now and then we have a Sunday where we just go, why are we here? Not, not, not the existential thing like, why do I exist? Not that. Why are we here? <laughs> what are we doing here? What's the point of evangel? What's the, what's the thing that we're trying to do? And, and last Sunday, we had one of those Sundays that reminds us of why we are here. We had fifth Sunday last Sunday, and if you were here, it was awesome. It was so amazing. And uh, you can see in a service like that on fifth Sunday, when we have these um, little indicators of, of why we're here, what the point is of what we're doing. We have, we have people that are baptized in water, which is a sign of, of people growing as disciples and as followers of Jesus. We have babies being dedicated to God, which is a sign of our families growing in our church family. We have people that um, become new voting members, which somebody goes, oh, I don't think that's very exciting. Well, I do, because that's people growing in leadership and taking responsibility as part of this local church. And then, and then we all take communion together and it just brings us right back together at the end of the service into this laser focus on Jesus and, and who he is and that he's the reason for all of it. So, so fifth Sunday is fantastic. It helps us remember why we're here. Last Sunday, uh, after we had our fifth Sunday service, and then we had lunch together, and then there were some other things going on, and I was still here with a group of people on Sunday evening, and I got to pop in with our young adults group that meets on Sunday nights sometimes, and so I got to go in there, and there were about 20 or 25 of them there, and I just wanted to just talk to them just for a couple of minutes. I didn't preach or anything. Actually, our intern spoke, and they had some amazing worship and snacks and everything. It was just great, and I got like five minutes. And in that five minutes, I said to our young adults, I really wanted them to hear me say to them, your voice matters in this church. Your voice is welcome in this church. We need you, this age group, to help shape the future of this church. And then I spent some time with Pastor Tim this week, who's our pastor of youth and young adults. And I said, how do we do this? How do we create space at Evangel? How do we make this happen to give space for some of our next generation to be able to lean in and to lead and to shape the future of Evangel? And it's just one of, these are the things that I try to do to go, these are one of the reasons, one of the things that we do where we go, why are we here? What's the point? What are we trying to accomplish? And this, this kind of helps because it would be so easy for us to just slip into the routine of it all. Hey, you know, just on Sunday mornings, well, we have 15 to 20 minutes of worship and then somebody gets up on the platform and says, welcome home. And we give syrup to the visitors and then there's an offering and somebody does a, this is my story. And then Pastor Patty talks and, and then at the end we just go, ah, that was good or not good, depending on the mood you're in, right? That was good. I'm just gonna, I'm all filled up now. I'll just go pick up the kids downstairs and see you next week. Be so easy to just, to just slip into this routine. And when we just slip into these routines that end with a stretch and a yawn, it inevitably eventually leads to the question of why are we bothering to do this? I mean, why, why are we here? And, and if you don't regularly ask that question and look for the answer, then we start to lose passion and we start to lose motivation and, and we start to, next thing you know, our faith is, is bland and it's shallow and it's not engaged at all with real life, which then leads us to this final question of, shouldn't there be more than this? So spoiler alert, yes, yes, there should, okay? But, but I, th- I think that Jesus' first disciples would have been absolutely shocked 
by this possibility that we could go, yeah, I'm good. My faith is good. You know, it's just routine. I think they would have been shocked by this because Jesus completely turned their world, his first followers, completely turned their world upside down. I mean, shook it up, flipped it over on its head, took all their values, changed them upside down, changed their purpose, changed the direction of their lives. And and without Jesus... Those first disciples, those first followers, they were just bored fishermen and tax guys, you know, just decent people, just going through life, work, eat, sleep, work, eat, sleep, work, eat, sleep. And on the weekend, you know, play a little and then go back into into the routines. Jesus changed everything for them, everything. Now, it took them a while to figure that out, granted. But once, once you figure that out, once you grasp that the God of the universe has looked and said, you, I want you, you, I've got work for you to do. I mean, you're not just going to go back to just humdrum fishing, right? You're not just going to go back. I mean, mm, Jesus was nice. Remember when he healed that guy? Remember that time he rose from the dead? Good times. Those were good times. You're not going to go back to this humdrum kind of... No, these were not just lookers at Jesus. They weren't just viewers of Jesus. They were followers of Jesus. They went where he went. They were disciples of Jesus. They did what he did, ready, for the rest of their lives. What? And you're all, and you can sit here and go, I, yeah, that's nice. No, okay, just pause, go into your own world for this moment and go, what's the rest of my life? How many years do I have left? What's my life look like? What am I, what am I planning to do? Blah, blah, That. Jesus changed their lives and they became followers and disciples of Jesus, going where Jesus went, doing what he did for the rest of their lives. It's huge. And, and they were on a mission. Jesus had been very, very clear. There is a mission. There is work to be done. There is a purpose. And Jesus' mission, some people think it was finished after he died on the cross and rose from the dead, you know, because he said it is finished. So it must be finished. But it wasn't finished. It wasn't finished. It was just starting. That's just the beginning. Jesus left his disciples with a purpose. And that purpose was go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. You need to say it with me. Okay, ready? Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. He said in Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 18 to 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Okay. When you say I've been given all authority, when you're the one with all the authority, that means you have the right to delegate it out to tell other people what to do, which is what he did. Okay. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Okay, stick with me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. Go and make disciples. And you go, what does that mean? Well, it means do what Jesus did. You know, walk up to people, 
make friends, start chatting. He made disciples. He approached people. He invited them to follow him. If they accepted the invitation, then he just shared life with them, and he taught them, and he trained them, and he mentored them, and he helped them through difficult times, and he was an example to them. And then he released them to go and do what he had just done with them. And now he's telling his disciples, go do that. What I just did with you You go do that with others. It's noteworthy to say that Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go to church on Sunday morning. He said, go and make disciples. Go get to know people. Go let them see how you live. Go invite them to share life with you. Go invite them to be a follower of Jesus with you. And if they accept the invitation, then go and train them and mentor them and show them and just just be in life together with people so that you can be an example to them and then help them to go and do the same thing. Well, that's a lot to take in, Pastor Patty. Yes, it is. I know. And, and it is, but it's a whole lifelong call to be a follower of Jesus. It's not just Sunday mornings. And you can't possibly do what Jesus asked us to do without some help. Fortunately, he thought of that. And so Jesus gives us this purpose of go and make disciples. And then he says, you're going to do it with the Holy Spirit's power. Let's say that together. Get ready from the top. Go and make disciples with the Holy Spirit's power. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Where? Everywhere. Everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I mean, <laughs> like everywhere, the whole world. I mean, Montreal. We have Bill 21. We, we're not allowed to have, you know, religious symbols in, in public places. I'm not, I'm not really sure that this go and make disciples, it doesn't really apply in Quebec, in Montreal. I mean, is it, is it, is it really realistic, Pastor Patty? You get so excited. I mean, is it, is it, is it tolerant? Because Canadians were big on being tolerant, right? Isn't it, isn't it just a little bit, a little bit pushy to say everywhere? Listen, the only people that Jesus was intolerant of were religious hypocrites. That's the only ones he had a problem with, okay? And, and I just want to say, and he never forced or imposed himself on somebody that wasn't interested. He would, he would openly offer a new life to anyone that wanted it. If they said no thank you and walked away, he let them go. Never forced it. But openly offered without uh, discrimination, no exclusivity, and he called us to do the same thing with the power of the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit would help us. Now, he had talked about the Holy Spirit before with the disciples. He had said, listen, I'm leaving. And they were like, no. And he said, don't worry. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be a comforter. He's going to teach you uh, what to say. He's going to remind you of the things that I said. He's going to help you. He's going to do what I did. And it's, it's going to be fine. And so he, he talked about that. But he was especially specific in Acts chapter 1 about what the Holy Spirit's power was for. 
And, and, and I don't want to mess with your faith too deeply today, okay? But can I just say the, the purpose for the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1 was not so that you would have strength to put up with your difficult boss. <laughs> it was not, the power of the Holy Spirit was not so that you could be financially blessed like some sort of weird spiritual lottery, Oh, I don't like this church. <laughs> the power of the Holy Spirit was specifically to, to, to tell the story of Jesus. Specifically to tell my story of Jesus. Like Rebecca just did over here. The power was for how to be a witness and say, Jesus actually changed my life. The power was to go and make disciples. Now, I listened to a podcast recently because I like to learn from other people. And I was listening to one, and the guest, speaker, the guest on there was, was Dominic Russo. And Dom is a pastor in Laval. Most of you know him. He's from the 180 Church. And uh, he has become a good friend. He and his wife become good friends with Jeff and I. And we just love them to bits. And one of the reasons I love Dom is because he doesn't really have a filter when he talks. He just blurts things out. You think I blurt? I'm nothing compared to him. And on this podcast, which is just open to the whole world to hear, he said, you know, people want the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you're not going, you don't really need it. What? Like mic drop moment. If you don't, people want the power of the Holy Spirit, but if you're not going, you don't really need it. If you're not going, you're missing the point. The point is not some mystical power that makes all of life better or deeper or higher or whatever adjective you want to use. The point is to carry Jesus, to reveal Jesus, to make disciples all over the world and right here in Montreal. And there was a vehicle for doing that, by the way. It was called the church. Jesus, Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I will build my church. Go and make disciples with the Holy Spirit's power as part of the church. And I've said it before, I'll probably say it again, but let me just say it today, that there is nowhere in scripture that that suggests that Christian faith is exclusively, primarily individual. That's not That's not what our faith says. That's not what the scripture says. It is inextricably tied to the local church, to the local community of believers who are working together and following Jesus together and making disciples together. That's why we're here. Why are we here? To go and make disciples. Now, people talk about how does a church do that, and different churches have different ways. We all walk that out in our own culture, in our own setting, and how are we supposed to make disciples with the Holy Spirit's power? And somebody goes, oh, there's just an easy answer. There's not. Because somebody's going to say, well, if you just pray more, or if you just give more in the offering, or if that preacher would just preach better sermons, then everything would be fine, and that's it. No, because being a disciple of Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, involves our whole lives, everything. Every aspect of life, not just Sunday morning. 
And a church is a group of followers of Jesus who are giving every aspect of their lives to follow Jesus. And so healthy, thriving churches include disciples of Jesus doing all kinds of things. We might be really focusing on youth or kids or or we're making sure that we're doing outreach. We're relentlessly outbound in every area of the church life or or, uh, making sure that there's solid biblical teaching that actually connects with today's society or connections between people that are more than just small talk. But, but here's, here's Evangel's version of how we do what we're supposed to do. We call it an inside-out church. And we say that means we're just, we're just transparent. And we're open. And uh, we're, we're outward-facing. We don't just come in here and huddle on Sunday mornings and close the doors and hope nobody sees us and get in behind the walls in our sacred space and invisibly practice our, our faith and then yawn and go home. We don't do that. We're inside out. We're open. We're outward-facing. And, and it's important to note that we actually believe that God has placed this church here. I mean, we really believe that God has placed this. That's an incredible statement, by the way. And it implies a whole lot of purpose because we believe that 103 years ago, God stirred the heart of a man in Ottawa and said to him, you need to go to Montreal and you need to plant an English-speaking church in downtown Montreal. And he did. And planted, 103 years ago, a church started on Drummond Street, a little further downtown, because God called him to do it. And then in 1954, that church moved here, and it's been here ever since. And we believe that is because God was guiding that process, that for 103 years, this church has existed in downtown Montreal because God wants us here. Now, listen, lots of churches in, in Canada, in like the 1980s, 1990s, Many churches that were in downtown areas in urban settings, they left. And they moved out to the suburbs because everybody was going to the suburbs. Who wanted to stay in the city? And the land was cheaper, and you could have parking. Hallelujah. And I know, right? Some of you are leaving right now and going to the suburbs. And they, they went, a whole bunch of churches left the downtown, and they, you know, it was only gangs in the urban centers and scary people and stuff. And so let's just leave, because that's the right thing to do. And we'll move out to the suburbs, and everything will be fine. And they left, and then cities started rejuvenating. And they started uh, finding new life again. And, and there were people here. There's still people here in the downtown of the cities. And churches started going, well, hey, maybe we need to get back into the downtown. And it turned out they just can't because the zoning's gone. And now the property's too expensive. And so now we have city centers all across Canada that are lacking in churches. Or we have empty church buildings that are being sold to developers and turned into condos. This church stayed. Thank God. And this church stayed because of God. Yeah. And we believe that we are here for a reason because Jesus called us here and we are here to carry Jesus and reveal Jesus in this part of downtown Montreal. Now, the neighborhood has had some ups and downs. I mean, there was the, the, when the Canadians were playing at the forum over there, I mean, it was just woo. And then the Canadians left the Habs. They went to the Bell Center is my understanding. And the neighborhood went, oh, and now it's building up again. And we got condos being built all around us. And, and all of this is happening and now we're, we're, the, we're in this space where all of this is happening. We're in this space where we're close to the YMCA. And so we're one of the first 
places that newcomers to Canada see. We're in this place that is close to several CEGEPs and universities. So students come from all over Quebec and all over the world, and we are within walking distance of them. We are close to the metro, so you can get here easily. We're close to everything. The only problem that we have is parking and the turcot, right? But we seem to be okay with that. We just go, well, you know, it's just life in Montreal. And, and now we're close to a whole bunch of condominiums that are being built. And that means that hundreds, maybe thousands of people who aren't here yet are coming. They're coming to this place where this church has been for all of these years. And they don't know it yet. But for some of them, this is going to be their church. And they're going to meet Jesus through this church. I get a little excited about that. So we're very intentional about being here in this space. And we ain't moving because we believe that our church is the presence of God. We carry Jesus in this part of Montreal. Now, here's how we walk this out, this inside-out church thing. We have three parts to it. We have do good which is focused out there. And there's a reason that it's first, because I think too many churches focus on becoming perfect within before they ever go out, and then they never go out. And we go out first. So we do good. We go out there. We add to the common good. We work for the good of our city, because if it prospers, we will prosper. That's a biblical principle. We also do it because it's part of our faith to do so, and because we believe that it helps to reveal Jesus to people when they see the church doing good in their world. So we do good. And then we love each other. We do good out there. We love each other in here. We believe in in having a healthy, thriving, loving church family. Healthy, strong relationships within our congregation. And you go, well, isn't that obvious? Because we're all just so delightful. Sure. So I'll just speak for myself. I have my days and every now and then I'm a little bit annoying. It's true. Now, none of you are. But if you were, you might step on each other's toes every now and then. And we believe in loving each other anyway. We believe in this one another principle that you see in the New Testament in the Bible where we forgive one another and we love one another and we submit to one another and we consider one another better than ourselves and and we do all of these one another. And it even impacts how we deal with conflict because sometimes conflict happens. And I think it's a powerful witness to the world that one of the best things we can do, hopefully, is to navigate that conflict with grace and mercy and integrity and accountability and forgiveness because we love each other in here. We do good, we love each other, and we reveal Jesus. And we believe you can't reveal what you don't know. So we, we practice personal discipleship. We, we create moments in our services to experience God's presence. We try to teach. This is how you pray. This is how you can be personally transformed by the Holy Spirit. We really encourage you. I nag you and go, you should read your Bible because I'm really encouraging you to, to practice and engage with your faith on a personal level so that each of us has a story to tell. We each have something to share so that we can go and make disciples. These are the things that focus us. These are the things that guide us in the decisions that we make. That's good, right? I'm going to add a couple things today, okay? 
I just want to add a, a little bit. So one of them is, I just want to, I, I mentioned I was with our young adults last week, just for a few minutes, and I talked to them about the fellowship that we're in, the, the denomination that we're in called the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And we have about 11 or 1,200 churches across Canada. We have uh, global workers around the world. We are this year 100 years old. And I talked to our young adults really honestly, and I said, you know, for the first 90 years or so of our history in Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, PAOC, if you saw a, you know, a, a, a graph of, of, of our growth, it looked like this, going up, 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 growing, 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 till maybe about 10 years ago when it just leveled off. And I don't know if you know this, but when something grows, 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 and then levels off, you know what the next step is? Starts declining. And we don't want that to happen. It, it's, it's a danger for churches all across Canada, not just for Pentecostal churches. And, and so we have, because I get to serve on our national executive, so I get to be involved in some of this. So we have, over the last number of years, we've really faced this head on and gone, what can we do to, to take our plateau and get us growing again rather than declining? What can we do? And one of the initiatives that we've done has been planting new churches. And so evangel ourselves. In the last three years, we've been part of planting, launching two brand new churches that didn't exist before which is pretty cool. But then one of the things that we know and that we're really focused on now, even nationally, is there is this key to that we have to lean into the next generation. We have to lean younger. We have to lean towards the people that are younger and give them a voice at the table and invite them to step up to the table. So at this church, we lean young. We lean towards those who are younger. Now, I know what you're thinking, and some of you have already started typing the email. Well, I guess you just don't love seniors, do you? I do love seniors. Thank you very much. I, in first service, if you had been here, I got hugged so hard by one of our seniors right here. I nearly went over, like right, she picked me up off the floor. She loved, and I had to tear my arm out of her grasp so I could come up here and start the service. I love our seniors, and I thank God for our seniors. But I have talked to a lot of our seniors. I have gone into our, our, our ladies prayer group. I've talked to some of the others of you on the side, and I've learned that many of you have kids and you have grandkids who maybe some of them aren't following Jesus. And I don't think you signed up to follow Jesus for decades in this church only to see the generations behind you fall away. I don't think that's what you signed up for. And I say to our seniors, you're already mature disciples and followers of Jesus. We need you to help us reach the next generations. Oh, well, I guess that means we're just going to be a single generation church then, right? You know, just one that just caters to one generation. No, no. I don't think that's necessarily the healthiest. I mean, in, in our families, when we have family get-togethers, there's babies and there's grandmas and there's everything in between, right? So I like a church that's multi-generational. I think that's great. But listen, there's a reason that if you were here last Sunday for Fifth Sunday, you, there's a reason that we had kids help us with our fun with finances. And some of you think it was just so that I could soften the topic, but that's not true. <laughs> We involved kids with our fun with finances because we understood that, that there's, on our fifth Sundays, 
We don't have programming for the older kids. We do for the younger ones, but not the olders. Because we want them in here. We want them to engage with all of us. We want them to see what the main service looks like and to become part of that. I don't want them to become 12 or 15 years old and never have been in this space. I don't want them to become 14 years old and not even know who the pastor is or who some of you are and be able to connect with all of that. I don't want them ever to. And so, so we involve them because we want them to know that they are part of this church family. So they help take the offering. They help serve communion. They helped us up here with our fund with finances. In this church, we don't just send kids to the basement, you know, while the grown-ups do the important stuff upstairs. We lean young. There's a reason that we invest finances in our youth and young adult retreats because we are willing to sacrifice to see the next generation become followers of Jesus and then carry this church into the next hundred years. So we lean young. And we lean new. We lean towards new people. We do all we can to remove as many obstacles as we can for somebody that is not yet a follower of Jesus or somebody that is new as a follower of Jesus. So we do things like using simple language. I don't stand up here on the platform and talk about the glorious redemption and eternal sanctification through the glorious blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Okay, I don't do that because some of our new people wouldn't know what that means. Frankly, neither do the rest of you. But, you know, I don't want to be rude. Okay, but, but we try to do it. We use simple language. We try to model. This is how we pray. This is how to read a Bible. This is, we try to make guests and new people feel welcome. We try to make it easy and quick to become involved and to become connected. And sometimes we do that well, and sometimes we bomb, but we're always trying. But I'm so excited that just this week, I mean, I've been praying for this for a couple of years. And just this week, I got confirmation. We're going to start an alpha group at this church again. I know, right? And, and the rest of you are going, I don't know what that is. So an alpha group is a 12-week small group that meets on Sundays after the second service, and they have lunch, and it's a video series, 12 weeks long, that basically just says, this is the basics of Christian faith. This is what this is. So somebody that's searching or somebody that's new can learn something. And, and finally, we have leaders. Yay! We have people that are going to lead this group. I just need some people that will help make some very simple lunches for them. People who will say, well, I don't know if I can lead the group, but I can make them lunch in order to help them become followers of Jesus. We lean young and we lean new. And you go, well, what else? What else, Pastor Patty, does this impact? Well, I have one big example. And uh, if you're a voting member, and then you would have heard about this last fall at our annual members meeting. And some of you we've also been in conversations with, so you've heard bits and pieces. It's not really a secret. We just haven't really, you know, talked a lot about it from the platform. So let me just give you, so some of you know that we have this space. Some of you may not know. We, we own another property. It's around the corner on St. Catherine Street. It's called the Lighthouse and it's a smaller auditorium where right now uh, a French congregation is meeting. It has a giant kitchen because it used to be a St. Hubert restaurant. Yay. And it has our offices and it has our meeting spaces there. And we, we own that building. Now, we own it, I just want to point out, because past generations had a dream for future generations, which is us. Okay, we own it because they invested 
in us. They invested in a future that they hadn't seen yet, and they knew that this church was here because God put it here, and they wanted to make sure that we stayed where God had put us. Now, now at this point, we use it really well. We get a lot of use out of the space. But a few weeks ago, somebody said to me, boy, it sure is in great shape, isn't it, Pastor Patty, this building? And I said, no, because it's aging. Okay, I don't want to, how many know that when you age, things fall apart? Okay, my wrist still hurts. I broke it New Year's Eve. They keep telling me it's healed, and it still hurts. Because when you're age, when you start to age, things just start to fall apart. And so our maintenance is getting more. So we had roof leaks in, in that property in January, and we literally ran out of buckets to catch all of the places where the roof was leaking just a couple months ago, which really increased my prayer life. And we have doors that don't close properly, or they may or they may not, because they're, you know, they're old and we can't get them replaced unless we do it custom, which costs a fortune, because nobody makes doors like that anymore. And we are constantly being approached by developers who want to buy it because they see all that's happening in this neighborhood and they go, can we buy this property off of you? <coughs> it's not for sale. <laughs> and that's what we tell them with a lot of fun because we believe that God gave that property to us. But we also believe that we're responsible for the resources that God gives us and we're responsible to steward those resources well And that we have a responsibility just as past generations invested in us. Now we have a responsibility to invest in the future and maybe create some sustainable income for the next generations of this church so that we and then they can continue doing what we're supposed to do, which is go and make disciples. And so we think, we think we've got a pretty decent plan. Actually, our lead team's been working on it for a couple of years, and we talked about it a bit last fall, and we think we've got a pretty decent plan, so we're going to bring it to our voting members for some input and some decisions, and you go, oh, that's code. She's going to ask us for more money. Nope, not part of the plan. That got your attention, didn't it? And if you want to know, and you go, you go well, what, what is the plan? I've run out of time, so I can't tell you. I mean, it's not a secret. If you want to know ahead of time, just come and ask me or come and ask Pastor Rob. And if you bring us a coffee, we'll tell you all about it. But I will tell you that Pastor Rob met with our denominational leaders last week. And by the time he had finished explaining, this is what we think we can do and what we want to do. One of them had his hands on his head going, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And we have to help you do this. So we're a little excited about it. So if you want to know, I'm just giving you a heads up. We're going to have a town hall meeting with some questions and answers and telling you what it's all about on Monday. It's going to be, there it is, Monday, May the 13th. Anybody, uh, not any, anybody that's part of Evangel can come and be part of that. And then Sunday afternoon, May the 26th, two weeks later, we'll have a voting members meeting where we actually take a vote on what we presented at the town hall meeting. And you should come. And you go, I'm not a member. Bet you wish you were. You still can come anyway. You just can't vote, okay? But if you're part of this church, we want you to come and hear what we're dreaming about. This is why we're here. This is why Evangel is here, to go and make disciples. And, and, this is, and if you're part of us, then you are part of that purpose, and you are part of that whole thing. And I know that it's kind of a scary proposition, but it's exciting, too, because God, the God of the universe, has looked and said, you, I want you 
I have purpose for you. And that's why you're here. That's why you're part of this church. It's a lot to take in, I know. And I, I don't want you to walk out of here overwhelmed. I do want you to leave here a little bit excited. I mean, you don't have to be as excited as me. I go over the top. But, but a little bit owning, going, oh, I think this is something exciting that God is calling. I do want to leave you here with some ideas of, of maybe what you could do and how you can be part of what God is. Can I just give you some suggestions? They're really practical, okay? So where to start? Um, we have invitations for Easter out there in the lobby. They're printed invitations to our Good Friday and our Sunday morning service. You know, it, start there. Invite somebody to Easter. Invite somebody who isn't a follower of Jesus at another church <laughs> to Easter. Start there. And you go, well, I don't know anyone who isn't a follower of Jesus. Okay, then start there. <laughs> start making some friends with people that you live with in your building or people that you work with. You don't have to, you know, walk up to them and, and read them the five, four, however many spiritual laws there are and give them. Just talk about the weather, for goodness sake. Start making eye contact with people and start building some friendships with people who aren't yet followers of Jesus. You never know. God might start opening some doors. Start there. If you're, if you're part of one of the older generations in this church and you don't know anyone younger who's watching you or following you or learning from you, start there. If you're one of the younger generation and, and you haven't found your faith yet or you haven't found your place, what did, start there. Hannah, uh, Rebecca said, be honest today. Be honest with God and explore your faith and find it. Start there. If you can't think of a way that you yourself are adding good to your community, start there. You know, sometimes I have really crazy thoughts, and I had this really crazy thought this week, and I'll just throw it out there, and then I'm going to pull it back. But I thought, wouldn't it be amazing? What if some people from Evangel, followers of Jesus, said, I'm going to move into one of those condos that's being built so that I can pastor that building and help people find Jesus? What? Patty, that's crazy. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How about this? How about you just start in the building you live in now? <laughs> How about you just start in the neighborhood that you live in now, just starting to, what if God called you there and God has something for for you to do in that space? Start there. Start where you are. Just start. Do something. I'm going to ask you to stand. Stand up. Some of you are going, oh, now she's going to pray and ask us to open our hearts to what God might say. You know, a few months ago, I said, we really felt that God was calling this church to something deeper. Out of the recliner, into some place we've never been before. I just think God is leading us in that one little step at a time. And so if you read my email this week, you already saw this, but we have a prayer that I've been praying this week. It's a written prayer that we're going to pray together. We're going to read it. I want to read it to you so you know what you're going to pray, and then we're going to close by praying it together, and here's what it says. God, in our fellowship together, our singing and our prayer, we hear your voice whisper into our lives, see, I'm doing a new thing. So God of new beginnings, grant us a new heart for worship. That's a big prayer. 
a new heart for your people. That's a big one too. A new love for our neighbor. Wow. And a new willingness for service so that your name, Jesus, might be lifted high in this place and in these lives. Can we pray it together? In our fellowship together, our singing and our prayer, we hear your voice whisper into our lives, see, I am doing a new thing. So God of new beginnings, grant us a new heart for worship, a new heart for your people, a new love for our neighbor, and a new willingness for service so that your name might be lifted high in this place and in these lives. Amen. So God, now as we close our gathering together, this time of worship that we have shared, God, we are now going out into our world, into Montreal, into our workspaces and our schools and our friends and our family and all of that. And we walk out of here knowing, carrying the, the excitement and the weight of responsibility that you have called us to go, to go and make disciples. So God, lots of us, we're not sure how to do that, but we want to start somewhere. So would you help us to go and help us to do good? Help us to do good out there. Help us to love each other. And help us to reveal Jesus to our city that desperately needs you. I pray that you would help us to do that for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Make sure that you say hi to somebody on your way out. Grab a coffee downstairs if you want to. Have a fantastic week, and we'll see you next Sunday.